few minutes ago, I mentioned that we were supposed to be on vacation. Uh, we are actually planning on coming home tomorrow. And <clears throat> we had to cut it short because of the weather. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm glad because of all this COVID-19 mess and all of this. Um, uh, we just felt it would, would be best for us to just come home. And, and um, anyway, <clears throat> but because we were uh, out of town, uh, we had, uh, as we came through Reno, we had to stop at the grocery store. <laughs> and, well, I I'll be honest with you, over the, over the last few weeks, days, uh, I've heard some completely bizarre things. H how many of you have heard bizarre things over the last few? Okay, yes, we all have. I mean, I have heard uh, uh, people uh, in sheer panic over COVID-19, and I've heard people uh, on the other side of the pendulum swing that are uh, <clears throat> living life the way they want. They're in denial, so to speak. Um, some people saying that we need to uh, dig and live in bunkers uh, back in the Cold War days, uh, and and... Others with the attitude of, you know, bless God, I'm an American, I can live and do what I want, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and it just, you, you have these pendulum swings in society, do you not? And anyway, uh, Friday evening as we were coming into town, like I said, we had to stop at the grocery store, so we, we stopped at Sam's, and uh, don't even get me started, Um <laughs> We stopped at Sam's and uh, we needed some milk and a couple of things. And, you know, we're thinking, you know, anyway, um, yeah, it was a war zone. Um, yeah, Smith's, Smith's was actually worse. Um, then we then we left Sam's and went over to Smith's. And, and <clears throat> as we were, you know, we, we weren't really thinking a whole lot about stocking up on stuff we were just getting some stuff we needed because we'd been out of town and <clears throat> as i was standing in this incredibly long line at at smith's what i what i did is i just got in line and then melanie ran around the store getting stuff you know what i mean and she'd come by every few minutes and drop some stuff in the cart and take off again you know um <laughs> But but it was but but see I, I'm a listener when I when I'm in that kind of an environment I, I like to watch and listen to people uh, how many of you like that you're like me okay well I, I'm standing in line and there's a guy in the next line over that had his shopping cart heaped with frozen dinners and I my first thought was. I hope you're smart enough to have room in your freezer at home. That, that was my thought. I mean, how many people bought that, got home and went, uh-oh. You, you know what I mean? It just, anyway, so that was my thought there. And then two people behind me, in the same line, two people behind me was a guy who had his cart heaped 
this way and underneath with ramen noodles. I thought, what are you going to commit suicide? I, I don't know. Um, but that stuff is bad for you. Um, anyway, and I, I want to I say something right out of the gate, okay? I am not making fun of people that are scared. Okay, that, that's not my point here. That, that, that is not my point. In fact, I, I want to I do a little disclaimer here. I have actually made jokes about people hoarding toilet paper. Just saying, okay? That to me is absolutely funny, okay? Until you run out. Yeah, until you run out, yes. But if you're smart, you, you have a surplus anyway. So anyway, not, I'm not going to get into that. Because that, that's not the point. My, my point is this. The man with the Roman noodles was talking to the lady between us. And, and I couldn't help but overhear. I, don't, I could not hear what she said, but I could hear what he said. I, I don't know if she asked or, or I, I don't know. But all he said was, well, the reason I'm buying all these, this, this Roman noodles is because I heard that a store in New York ran out of food. And I thought, how sad. How sad. Two guys in front of me. Or no, no, no I'm sorry. She, it was a lady. There was a man in front of me and a lady in front of him. And this man was probably 70 or late 60s, early 70s, seemed relatively healthy, um, but he was uh, buying orange juice. Stood, stood in line to buy three things of orange juice. Couldn't believe it. I'm like, dude, just drink water. <laughs> why, why is that in this terrible line? for Anyway. I, again, I could not hear what he said to the lady in front of him, but I could hear her reply because she was talking back at me, well, at him. And she said, sir, I have been in the medical profession for over 30 years. She said, I am a, a, a very experienced surgical nurse. And this is what she said. I, I'm, this is what she said. She said, most people that get this virus won't even know it. They will they will think that they have a cold. And she said, by the looks of it, you're in very, very good health. You have nothing to worry about. So here I am standing in this line with one extreme in front of me and another extreme behind me. But then I did something I started looking at the faces of people around me. And you know what I saw? For the most part, not in everybody, I saw fear. And I thought, I, I, and, and I, I'm standing there thinking, I just want to get a few groceries. But fear is a real thing. 
I'm here to tell you, fear is a real thing. And when people are fe- experience fear, panic follows. And I'm here to tell you that is where we are today. And as I stood in that line, I thought to myself, how should a Christian respond to this? I have, as we were coming back from California, uh, Melanie read me several articles uh, that different people had written. And we have a, a pastor friend, uh, acquaint- he's more of an acquaintance than he is a friend, um, who posted something on, on Facebook about COVID-19. And Melanie read it to me as we were driving down the interstate And as as she finished reading it, my first thought was, wow, that was really harsh. I, I heard nothing of the love of Christ in anything that that pastor said. Absolutely demeaning people that were fearful of this disease. Or virus, I guess. It's not a disease, it's a virus. And I thought, where is the love of Christ in that? See, we need to be careful and filter everything, everything through love. See, in 1 Corinthians, and, 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 and you have heard me read these verses countless times, and as long as I'm pastor, you will hear me again read these verses countless times because these verses are important, I believe, to the Christian life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels I have, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and a, and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and, and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, what does it say? I am nothing. You know, that pastor acquaintance of mine, of ours, he, he may be right. He, he could very well be right. But his heart was cold. And that makes him wrong. Where's the love for the lost? See, we have an opportunity to reach a fearful world. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And as is his pattern, 
<clears throat> he is teaching through a series of parables. <clears throat> the first parable that he teaches his disciples is a is is the picture of men's hearts. Let's start reading in <clears throat> Mark chapter 4 in verse 2. And he taught them many things by parable and said unto them uh, in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and the fowls of the air came over and devoured it. And some fell on the stony ground, and where uh, it was not much earth, and it immediately sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. <clears throat> um, uh, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell on the thorn uh, among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And others uh, fell on the good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our hearts and our lives. But Lord, help us this morning to see the need of faith. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The second parable that he sh that he shares with his disciples, we see in verses 21 uh, to 23, and it is this, this, the the disciple of sharing the gospel. Uh, and he's in verse 21. It says, "And he said unto them, is a is a candle brought uh, to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall be." Uh, manifest neither anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears, let him hear. Or, excuse me. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. <clears throat> so he teaches about the men, the hearts of men that that there are some men who will readily receive the word of God and that, 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 that it'll, it'll sprout up and it'll grow and they'll, they'll be abundant. And some men, they'll hear it and it'll grow a little bit, but then Satan, it's a picture of Satan snatching it away. And then it'll, it'll uh, 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 so it, we, we see the different hearts of men that, that, that uh, Jesus describes to his disciples and then he goes into the idea of, of witnessing. We have a light to a dark world. You, you don't hide a light. You let a light shine. Then the third parable it, it, it we see in verse 26, it is the seed growing. <clears throat> in verse 26, uh, he said, So uh, is the kingdom of God as, <clears throat> as if a man should cast a seed into the ground and and he goes on, but for time's sake, we'll, we'll just kind of explain it. When you plant a seed in the ground, what happens? It multiplies. You don't get just a single whatever you plant. You get more than you plant. And that is the principle here. 
that Jesus is trying to communicate. So Jesus spends his, his day teaching his disciples. In verses 33 and 34, And with, <clears throat> with many uh, such parables spake he the word unto them. So in other words, not all of his teaching is recorded here. So there were many more parables that he taught. <clears throat> but they just, for whatever reason, God did not see fit to have them all recorded. Um, uh, and with many such parables spake he unto, uh, unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So, I have a question for you. In essence, Jesus' disciples had spent all day in the classroom. Jesus had spent all day teaching them. Does, does that make sense? Okay. So <clears throat> those of you who have ever been to school, college, high school, whatever, what happens after you've been taught? You get a test. You get to take the exam. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love exams? <laughs> so, the exam is coming. In verse 35, we see the exam. Verse 35 and following. And the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had uh, sent away the multitude, they took uh, him even as, as he was in the ship. And uh, there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was full. And <clears throat> he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the, unto the sea, Peace, and be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? That's the test. See, he had spent all day teaching them about faith. In fact, it starts off in, in verse 35. It says, and the same day. You know, it's one thing when I, when I was in college, the sooner I could take a test after I studied something, the better off I was. Because he didn't say a week later or a month later or two days later. He said the same day after he had spent all day teaching them about faith. He says it's time for the test. The title of my message is Fear, excuse me, Faith or Fear. Or Fear or Faith. Doesn't matter. You can switch around any way you want. 
the same day. Now, it is important to understand that after we hear the Word of God, which they had heard the Word of God for an entire day, what should happen after we hear the Word of God? As we leave here this morning, what should happen? Our faith should be stronger, shouldn't it? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It is the Word of God that increases our faith. So they had heard the Word of God all day. But where was their faith? If there is one thing that I've learned in my uh, almost 40 years, Melanie and I were talking about this in, in June, uh, actually June 23rd this year, I'll be, I'll, I will have been, say, 40 years. And the one, if there's one thing, yeah, that's what Paul said, if there's one thing I know, and, and this is my one thing, if there's one thing that I have learned in almost 40 years of being saved, is this. Now get write this down because this is good. Your faith will be tested. Amen. Isn't that deep? <laughs> I haven't learned a whole lot, but I have learned that. When God increases my faith, guess what's coming next? A test. So, it does us no good to learn about faith. Faith must be lived. We can learn about faith all day long. The disciples learned about faith all day long. But what good did it do them? Faith must be lived. Now, I don't know about the people standing in the grocery store uh, Friday night. How many of them uh, know, knew the Lord? How many of them didn't? But I saw fear. And if there were people there that were saved, then, then, then there were a lot of people that have never experienced true true faith. They've never allowed faith to develop in their lives. Point number one this morning. Let's look at the reaction of the disciples. The reaction of the disciples. <clears throat> We're going to start off with a question here. Were the disciples in the storm because of disobedience? No. They were, they were in smack dab in the middle of God's will for their lives. Jesus had told them, hey, okay, we're done here. Let's get in a boat and go to the other side. They, they were doing exactly what God himself told them to do. But the storm still came. 
Lesson number one, we're, we got, we, I, I think I have five lessons today. So I want you to write down these lessons because each of these lessons is, is critical. Lesson number one, storms are a part of God's plan for your life. If we don't get that, we might as well say amen and go home this morning. Storms are a part of God's plan for your life. I guess I should have had Chris projected. It would have been easier to, to write down. Sorry about that. Storms are where we grow. It is, it is the struggle of the storm that makes you strong. A little side note here, in case you didn't know this, is the, the storm that blows up here, uh, uh, blows in, I guess is being a better word, um, on the Sea of Galilee was not an uncommon event. In fact, it still happens today. Uh, they can come up at a moment's notice. Doesn't matter what the weather's doing, just boom, it's there and you're in big trouble. So this was not an uncommon occurrence, but it was at the very time a scary occurrence because they were fearful for their lives. There are three reasons why I want to talk about the reaction of the disciples. So there's three reasons why the disciples should not have panicked. The first one we see in verse 35 says, let us press over unto the other side. Jesus told them that they were going to make it to the other side. Now, he did not promise them smooth sailing, did he? He didn't promise them that, but he did promise them that they would get to the other side. Now, I'm here to tell you, nowhere in Scripture does it say or even allude to the fact that when a person gets saved, they're going to have smooth sailing to the other side. In fact, if anything, the contrary is there. In other words, stand by. The storms have come. The second reason they should not have panicked is he was with them. God the Son was in the boat with them. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he saith unto them, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His disciples had seen Jesus do many, many, many miracles. Healing and, and raising people from the dead and doing all of these things. If anybody should have had faith, it should have been them. But they didn't. They forgot that they were in the very presence of God. Now, what happens to a person when they get saved? The Holy Spirit comes to live within them. The promise is, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
the third reason they should not have panicked is because Jesus was able to sleep through the storm. Think about this for a second. Jesus was able to sleep through. Now, I, I don't know if, I was in the Navy. I, I, was, I spent some time on a ship. And, and when, when the seas are calm, it, it, it's, like, it's like being rocked to sleep. It, it, I mean, I, I, I used to sleep so deep and hard, it was almost impossible to wake me up. But you get in rough seas. They, 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 we had seat belts that would keep us from falling out of our beds. I don't, I don't know what they call them, but they look like seat belts. Jesus was able to sleep through the midst of the storms. Psalm chapter 48, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Lesson number two, write this down. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. The fe their fear was a result of unbelief. And I'll be honest to say, be the, be, I hate to be judgmental, be, and I'm trying not to be, but they did not do very good on the exam. But before you get too high and mighty, uh, you probably wouldn't either, okay? Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so number one, the reaction of the disciples. Number two, very quickly here, let's look at the reaction of Jesus because this is really important. <clears throat> Let me start with a question. When Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat so that they could go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, did Jesus know the storm was going to come? Yes. Wrap your head around that one. Because that is really, really critical you get a hold of that. A few months ago, even a year ago, two years, five years ago, did God know that there was going to be a, uh, 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 what is it? COVID-19 coronavirus come out of China. Yes. He knew in eternity past. God did not sit in heaven a month, two months, three months ago and wring his hand and go, oh, what am I going to do? He didn't do that. God knows. He knows the storms that are coming in your life. And He needs to grow your faith so that when the storms come, you can make it through the storm. Lesson number three. 
God is in control of the storm. God is in control of the storm. It was all part of the exam that the disciples needed to take. Jesus had taught them all day on faith. And it was all part of the exam. I want to look at three reactions that Jesus had. And, and, And again, this is really critical. Number one, he slept. He slept. He stayed calm. He stayed calm. His disciples overreacted, but Jesus stayed calm. I have a picture for you of, uh, well, it's kind of distorted. But anyway, I have, (laughs) it's not, anyway, um, I have this picture in my office. Uh, If you ever go to my uh, office at my house, uh, right behind my my chair uh, is, is this picture. And it is Isaiah chapter 46. Uh, verse 4, it's the last part of the verse. It says, I have made, I will bear, and even I will carry, and I will deliver you. And if you can't tell what the picture is, it's a stormy uh, winter night, and the cowboy here is carrying a calf. Okay? it's Because it's distorted, it's kind of hard to see. But I I keep this in my office to remind me that God is in control of the storms. God is in control. I'm going to have to go through the storms, but he's going to carry me through the storm. Remember, the greatest problem that we face are within us, not around us. Lesson number four. God goes through the storm with you. Not only is he in control of it, but he goes through it with you. Jesus' second reaction is he rebukes the wind. And look at verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said in the sea, Peace, be still. Now, what is amazing to me about this verse is that Jesus rebukes the wind, not his disciples. Now, now, now look at, think about this. What would you do? I would have jumped up and said, you idiots. I just spent all day teaching you this. Did you not listen? But he doesn't do that. Let me tell you what Jesus said. When he said, peace, be still. In other words, what he said is, exam over. The test is done. See, we would have, we would have, I, I say we, I can only speak for my, I would have reacted completely 180 degrees different. I would have been all over them like stink on a skunk. 
I would have. Especially after waking me up. Are you kidding? How, you know, and I can only speak from experience. Most of you would have reacted the same way. But that's not what he does. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, it's the peace of God that keeps us. As I have thought back over the Facebook post that my wife read me of that mutual friend, I can't help but wonder if he wrote that in the flesh. Like, had, had he been the one woken up by his disciples and, and said, help, we're going to die. Rebuking them instead of loving them through the storm. Now, let, let, let me ask you kind of an obvious but needful question. Have any of us arrived? How many of you have all the faith you need? See, God is going to continually grow us all, is he not? And he doesn't jump up, scold them, The third reaction we see in verse 40, and this is what this is what I see anyway, I don't know about you, is Jesus' third reaction is grade your own test. He doesn't, he doesn't chastise them. He asks them questions. Uh, it asks them a question. Or two actually two questions. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He didn't chastise them. He asked them to basically grade their own test. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is more critical to you? You are. We are always more critical of ourselves. And he looks at his disciples and he says, what happened? And I I don't know, obviously, but I just kind of picture Jesus just kind of walking away at that point. Letting him think it through. Look at verse 41. Well, before we read verse 41, how many of you would agree or say that they failed the exam? Raise your hand if you think they failed. Okay? I I do. I think they failed the exam. Look, Look at verse 41. And they feared exceeding and said one to another, 
What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? My point is this. They failed the exam, but they grew their faith. They learned. How many of you learn from the the mistakes that you make? We all do. See, it's those mistakes oftentimes that God uses in our lives to help us grow our faith. And before we become too critical of the disciples, uh, we need to understand that they went on to do great things for God. And it was a growing process for them, just like it is for us. In the early verses of of the book of Mark, Jesus teaches the example uh, uh, using seed to to demonstrate the, the hearts of men and the fact that if you plant a seed, it, it'll multiply and so on and so on and so forth. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, I'm not a gardener, I'm not a, I'm not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know this, that if you plant a seed and you take care of it, water it, fertilize it, do whatever you got to do to do it, it will grow, but it'll grow slowly. Am I right? Yeah, unless it's a weed. But see, that's one of the reasons my wife and I stopped growing tomatoes around here. By the time it gets warm enough to plant a tomato, and it takes all summer to grow, by the time you start harvesting tomatoes, it starts freezing again. I'm like, what's the point? You know, I watered these stupid things, I pulled the weeds, I did all this stuff all summer long, and I get two tomatoes off of it. So forget, let's just start buying our tomatoes. Or we just wait for Angie and we'll just get hers. <laughs> it takes time. And what you need to do, and, it, and I believe one of the things Jesus was trying to communicate here is our faith is very much like a seed. When it is planted in the heart of a man and it is cultivated, it's taken care of, It'll grow, but slowly. And that's the kind of faith that we need, and that's the kind of faith that we want. Because a faith that will grow is a faith that will last. Lesson number five. God can be trusted to get us through the storms. He will get us to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He'll get us to the other side of the storm. In the midst of the storm called COVID-19, let us stay calm. Let us be people of faith. Let us be people shining a light in a dark world that desperately needs to see the love of God. Look at verse 21 of our passage. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Is a candle, or, or, and he said unto them, is a candle uh, brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? Why is God growing your faith? Why is God doing the work that he's doing in your life so that you can be a light put up on a candlestick? 
because we are in a, in a world that desperately needs light. We saw the reactions of the disciples. We saw the reactions of Jesus. And I want to go through the five lessons, hopefully, that you got through this, that I got out of this anyway. This is what I got. Lesson number one, the storms are a part of God's plan for your life. It's just part of it. Lesson two, we can have peace in the midst of those storms. Number three, God is in control of the storms. Number four, God goes through the storms. And then number five, we can trust Him. We can trust God to get us through the storms. What an incredible promise that God's given us. Now, does that mean that nobody at Grace Baptist Church is going to get sick? No, that's not what it means. What it means is that God is in control. And we, ne- we, we need never lose the picture of God in control of every storm that comes into our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,